Welcome to Zencat Creatives Podcast. I'm Vanden. And I'm Tanya. We are the owners of Zencat Creatives, LLC. We believe that creativity is not just for the painter, musician, writer, or actor. Everyone has the ability to experience and grow their creativity. We interview people from all walks of life to explore how they use their creativity. Creativity is our birthright to interpret, share, and change the world around us. We're super excited to share today's episode with you, so let's get started. So welcome everybody to another episode of Zencat Creatives Podcast. Hello. This, this one we are actually recording live via Facebook so that people have a visual component because after all we are kind of locked down in the COVID mm-hmm. uh, um, pandemic, pandemic uh, quarantine. Yes. So, uh, yes. Our topic today that we're going to discuss is going to be about what is art and anybody who's viewing or listening um, is welcome to call in. Uh, it'll be, I'll go ahead and just put our phone number in here, but you can call in at, uh, I don't know, Tanya, you're better. Give me the phone. I'll do it. So 717-507-6019. And then Tanya will put the phone number in the comment section. People can call in and, uh, Comment on what they think is art. So I guess uh, we'll, well start. We can start with your con- your definition. Yeah, so I'll kind of chime in on this. Um, so first, I think it's important to kind of uh, ask ourselves, where does art come from? Where did it uh, originate? What what does what is the function of art? And I think to those questions, for me, I think that if we look back at when humanity first started uh, kind of banging on a drum or, or scrawling on uh, cave walls or, um, you know, when children at play, you know, one can uh, certainly say that children sort of are in a creative state making art. And all of those things, to me, are ways in which people express themselves. It's kind of an external representation of ideas that they have inside. And there's a certain feeling that is uh, kind of extracted and felt in the process of doing it. Mm -hmm. So I think fundamentally at its very origin, art is personal experience it's the experience of the individual who you know first started drumming or clacking rocks or scrawling away it was more about what they were feeling the experience they had why they were creating and in that context I think that that is essentially what art is but then there's multiple other definitions such as uh, what society considers art mm-hmm and then, of course, what society considered art throughout time, and what yeah. is good art, what is bad art, and all that good stuff. But uh, to keep it simple, initially to start with, I would say my definition of art. What art is, is an individual having an experience in the process of creating. Pretty good. Pretty good. What do you think, tough, Tanya? Tough act to follow. <laughs> um, 
So I guess I guess for for I'm trying to think of what I'm actually trying to say. Um, I think that when I was younger, before I became a professional artist, I think that I always considered and cubbyholed art into very specific categories. So, you know, painting, visual arts, that kind of thing, like sculpture, like stuff you would generally see in a museum. Um, but of course, as I matured and, and opened my eyes to what was around, I, you know, especially when we go to like the Philly Museum, um, you know, there's furniture, there's clothing, there's uh, representation of music, um, there's sculpture, of course, and uh, there's one section where it's actually like a miniature village. And those are all pieces of art. Like somebody planned to create that village. Somebody planned, um, you know, the way the, the buildings were going to sit, where the plants were going to be organized. If you look at landscaping, that's definitely art. Um, any kind of, you know, fine carpentry and, you know, creating a piece of furniture, writing a story. Um, so I guess maybe in in my worldview at this point is what is not art might be a better question <laughs> which of course is another whole can of worms but i think if i were to to behave myself and answer the question simply what is art it is people interacting with the world around them and expressing themselves so yeah i think that's that's you know and of course i always maintain the option to uh, change my mind because <laughs> I do quite frequently <laughs> so then I guess maybe a, another question that would be good to kind of breach is kind of on the societal <clears throat> influence of you know at what time was it deemed that uh, a an authoritarian kind of um, opinion held sway over what could be determined art and what is not art. So this, let's just, uh, let's just take the most obvious thing. Abstract art. <laughs> so we have abstract art mm -hmm. and even the layman has an opinion on this. And let's just be honest. The average person says that's not art. They see something extremely abstract or, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's paint splattering or just blocks of color fields mm -hmm. compared to a Rembrandt, compared to a Da Vinci, right? Mm -hmm. and, Manet, Manet. and they say, well, that's not art and this is art. Mm -hmm. So are they correct? No. No, it's... Um, and certainly I probably... I'm not a big abstract art person, but I can appreciate a piece of art that evokes an emotion in me. And I think that's really when we look at something, I think that's really what we come down to. Like that's what we think about when we look at a, at a um, let's just use something completely uh, different. So a commercial, okay, a video game. Those are, that's art. 
And that's not something that everybody would consider art. So if you go back to the question about abstract art, I think it's the same, same premise. Is it speaks to somebody. Otherwise, nobody would be buying it. So there's somebody that those types of pieces speak to. Um, you could say the same thing about a lot of crafts. There's, there's certain um, types of home decoration or, you know, the, the craftsy. There's very specific types. You know, you might have whimsy. You might have kind of old kitchen look. You might have, you know, all these different things. I would look at a certain kind and say, yeah, that doesn't speak to me. So maybe just in that case, art is very personal. Mm -hmm. Right, so personal preference. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think that art has changed throughout history as mm -hmm. well. So there's a big kind of history element to a lot of this kind of, and we don't, I don't necessarily want to rehash a whole history lesson, but, um, you know, the, let's keep it simple and just say that over time, when certain things are done the same way all the time, over and over and over, there comes people with the mindset that we need to start doing something a little bit different because this has been beaten like a dead horse, right? Mm. So, yeah, hyper-realism or realism, as it was pretty much considered acceptable art, real art for, you know, uh, centuries eventually became challenged by the artist community and who said that you know what we've been doing this same type of thing forever and ever let's experiment with different ways of, uh, of creating mm -hmm. now that's only defining the visual field we're, we're that's we're really kind of pigeonholing mm -hmm. pigeonholing the visual field but that same premise carries over into all of the other forms of art. So literature mm. was oh, yeah. has not been the same throughout time. I mean, when we go to ancient Greece, a lot of literature is really playwright. It's, you know, writing out plays and... Um, philosophy. And philosophy, you know, there, there's a, an ethical moral tale within it. Mm -hmm. um, and most... Uh, most uh, societies, cultures, once they got to the point where they could actually write and make a recorded uh, um, recorded language, they're really rehashing oral stories, which are kind of fundamentally ethic stories or moral tales. And then over time, it changes and changes and changes and changes mm -hmm. until you get to where we are today, yeah. where there's just about every form of... Uh, of literature that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. Wordsmithing is definitely something that, you know, you, you can read a, you know, a regular book, you know, something you could pick up a paperback or whatever, a romance novel, not dismissing romance novels, just not my thing. Um, but you can pick up some books, whatever, whatever genre, and you can read really good, um, pieces and then other times you read it and you're like yeah that was kind of garbage that was that was kind of like candy for my uh, my brain and other times the writer uh is you know going to ask something of you they're gonna they're gonna force you to think they're going to maybe cause some reflection 
Mm-hmm. So, and for me, that makes that makes the biggest difference because if a if I'm looking for something that I just need to pass the time, I'm probably going to go for something that's fiction and um, you know very light, uh, third to you know whatever grade reading level. Um, young adult fiction is very popular. Uh, so, what would you say to somebody that said romance novels are not art? No, you can't. You can't say that. Because what, somebody is creating a reality. They're creating from their imagination. Mm-hmm. So what about those people who firmly hold those opinions? People who look at abstract art, romance novels, or cartoons, or pop music. Mm. Um, we didn't really touch on music yet, neither, but that's another big one. Yeah. So what, what of those people who look at different stuff and say, oh, rap isn't music, or heavy metal is not really music? I mean, it's cliche in society. Mm-hmm. Tons of people sling that stuff around like it. There's yeah. no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, so. Yeah. Is it just them and they're, just sort of. It's what they like. We said before, it's a very personal thing, and I think it's some people, are. Um, they just don't see it as something that's appreciated, and so they're not going to consider it art. So maybe in that sense, art is, for somebody, art is something that has a higher level of meaning or purpose. So, let's go into music a little bit, so. I'm going to pause you one second. I see people commenting on my on my watch party, and they don't come up in the, the main feed, so it's hard for us to answer it. If you want to pop over to Zencat Creatives and go down our... To our videos page, you'll see this live video playing, and then you can comment there. So I would, I will answer after, but right now I can't. <laughs> yeah. So um, just to reiterate that, if anybody's watching this through Tanya's personal page, you have to actually go from her page and open up ZenCat Creatives if you want to share your comments so that we can see them. Or just wait until we're done, and then I'll answer you later. Yeah. And we are taking phone calls. If anybody wants to chime in with their uh, thoughts on mm-hmm. any of this, uh, we have the phone numbers in our in the comment section here, but it's 717-507-6019. Yeah. We would really love to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free to call and, uh, and comment and share your opinion on what you think art is. Yeah. So... Music. Yep. So going into music, Mm -hmm. so same thing in music where over time, through different cultures, uh, I mean, music sounds completely different. Mm -hmm. You hear a piece of music and you know, okay, that's definitely something that comes from East Asian culture. And then you hear uh, classical music that obviously comes from Western, European kind of influence. Yep. And then, of course, over time, you have blues and you have folk music and rock and roll and heavy metal and punk rock. And so the same thing is at play where people change the way it's done. Yeah. They don't just keep doing the same thing. And what kind of world would we live in if one type of music was always accepted and played everywhere and that was it? So people said, this is the only type of music that's officially art, right? (laughs) It'd be kind of absurd. Uh, It would be very absurd. So recognizing that it's really kind of part of the human spirit to take what has come before 
and modify it and change it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. and I think punk music is one that really fits into that because punk music was sort of the anti-music. Mm-hmm. It was like, let you know, we just want to bang around and make noise whether it really sounds harmonic or melodic. We don't care. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that absolutely identify with that kind of music. And, yeah. And it, it serves that purpose of what art does yeah art connects art connects people um through creativity very very personal Mm -hmm. very personal yeah and i think um one of the the musical genres that i was thinking of is uh folk music and more specifically i was thinking when i uh was over in portugal when i was in my early 20s so a long time ago um, they have a type of music called Fado, and it is the most heart-wrenching, uh, gut-exploding music that I've, that I've ever heard. Do I want to sit and listen to it for hours? No, because it, it's very, um, it's a very passionate and kind of an experiential type of music. So when I would go, we would go out to, you know, a restaurant or whatever, if they had a singer there, it was usually one singer, sometimes some musicians, but it was just this very loud, almost wailing sound that they had. And it was, it was just powerful. Um, I can't imagine listening to that all the time, but in certain contexts, it was, it was very powerful. It was very interesting. And Fado is essentially a lamentation about it's about them lamenting about um the past and things that they lost like it's a very deep they have a term called saudad um i think the brazilians pronounce it saudade but i'm rusty on my portuguese so but essentially it was this very specific type of music that they played and the young people, you know, there was all the different variations, but this is a very cultural thing. It was very much an identity for the Portuguese, um, especially back in the 90s. So they would, they were lamenting about their past, about the loss of, of things that they had. Um, it was, it was quite powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I would, it's, I think it's just F-A-D-O. So highly encourage everybody to go take a peek at it because it's pretty interesting stuff. So does art evolve does art have its own system of evolution in the sense that it's a process of change that Mm -hmm. no matter what you try to do you can't stop it it's going to happen yeah oh absolutely I mean you have um, you know during Michelangelo's time I doubt they, they even had a concept maybe they did I don't know but maybe they didn't have a concept of what they call installation art. Do you know? Uh, well, statuary, yeah. Well, they had statuary, but I'm thinking like where you have like live human beings being oh. part of the art. Yeah. Like an installation where you have, you know, different figures, um, sometimes live creatures, humans mm-hmm. and otherwise. Um, that's definitely an evolution that... I don't know. Maybe they did it. Maybe. I don't know. You would know that better than me. Um, well, not in the same context as what we have in modern times. But, I mean, back then they they did, 
you know, environmental manipulation for the sake of creating uh, a visual stimulation was certainly very big. I mean, even to so me. So you're saying like decorating a house, castle, church, whatever. No, even beyond that. I mean, even Da Vinci had gotten into um, theater kind of display, you know, setting up a whole theater stage with moving parts and stuff to create sort of a stimuli that, you know, but in context mm. of modern times, what you're right. thinking of is a little bit different. But what what I meant with evolution of art is, um, like, is it unstoppable that people will always change what art is? So, give an example. Oh, a good example would be um, folk music and, and blues. How kind of folk music. And uh, folk music from two different cultures, um, folk music from African Americans and folk music from the Americas, kind of combined and created the blues. And then the blues kind of molded into early rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And then rock and roll evolved into hard rock and heavy metal and da 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 da. But um, the fact that these things just keep changing. Yeah. No, I think, actually, I think that's, I think humanity as a whole is going to continue to evolve and create different ways of expressing itself. So by definition, art has to evolve. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I think that just goes without saying. And I can, I could probably almost hear some people saying, well, that's because different cultures are intertwined. Mm-hmm. And that is true, but... Even within a singular culture, one can notice changes, small changes over time um, in the way their aesthetics are, mm-hmm. like they, their techniques or their application and their tools and materials change a little bit. They get a little more, if you will, kind of sophisticated and they change it. But uh, so, I mean, that's another example of how art just keeps changing. Okay. So are you talking like, you know, the change from, I forget what the period was beforehand, but to like right before the Impressionists. The Impressionists definitely made a huge jump forward. Oh, yeah. And again, that that comes from what a lot of people may not know is uh, photography. Mm-hmm. Impressionism was born largely out of photography because... When photography came along, um, people were like, well, why should we bother painting anymore? (laughs) Like, this was a really serious dilemma. Like, I can't overplay this. Uh, I'm sorry, we got a couple comments, so I just want to check. So, So Cheryl and Cora, if you want to, um, we are going to, if anybody wants to call in and share their thoughts... Uh, our numbers in the comment section. You can call in and uh, and just chat with us and and share your thoughts on different things. But Cora said, um, "Our experiences feed our art individually and culturally." Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's absolutely true. So here's here's one that's back to more of a visual art um, graffiti. Hmm. Graffiti is is that art or is that not art? I think it definitely is art. Not the you know not 
aside from the fact that it's usually done, you know, someplace where it's not, you know, considered legal. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it makes the undecided breeders pretty darn nice. <laughs> and then, you know, it comes also back to whether you think it's nice or not doesn't mean it's necessarily not art. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It could be <laughs> some, it, it's, it's going to be what it is regardless of different people's opinions. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I forget what my train of thought was before. I was, uh, I think we were just talking about the cultural. We were talking about the Impressionists and how they're. Oh, yeah, the photography, photography, yeah. So, photography, when photography came, it was a very real thing. Like, people genuinely were like, why, why should we bother painting anymore? Because you got to remember the purpose of painting throughout time, especially. Uh, Western European painting was mm -hmm. to depict things, was mm -hmm. to make a visual representation of the world around him to display. And guess what? Photography stole it. Like it, <laughs> with a couple clicks and preparation, there it was. And it was perfect. Like yeah. you can't, you have literally a, a representation of the world around you in a photograph. Yeah. So, what happened is there was groups of artists that literally started questioning this and they mm -hmm. said, well, no, art and painting and, and visual art should capture the emotion and the impression of that emotion at the time. Mm -hmm. And hence, Impressionism was born. I mean, I'm very simplifying the whole thing, but from a broader perspective, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Photography caused groups of artists to really question what's the purpose of what we're doing when, with a snap, someone steals the whole th the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. um, and they decided, well, we need to use our tools and our craft to make people re feel the the impression and the feeling of that thing that they're representing. Yeah. No, most definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, you can have, um, you know, a beautiful photograph, but an artist, well, I guess you can do that somewhat with photography, but an artist can manipulate, um, and actually, especially some of Picasso's earlier pieces, his, uh, before he got into his, you know, cubism, is it cubism? Picasso? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, before he, he got into his cubism, he did um, some more realistic images. Oh, yeah. He like was a the, great realist painter. Yeah. And, you know, and he just, he went off, you know, off-road there and said, you know, I, this isn't really speaking to me anymore. Kind of back to what we were talking about before. Um, but he, you know, his, his, the one that I know very well, I think it's called The Blue Man or The Man with the Guitar. He's... It's basically um, monochromatic, a man literally kind of almost curled over, his head is drooped, he's playing a guitar, he's real kind of t tied up in himself where he's got his legs crossed. He just looks like he's real constricted, um, almost as if he was trying to fit inside of the, the canvas. And it, it's a very emotional piece. Um, and I forgot where I was going with this. It's my turn to have a brain fart. Um, 
But yeah, I think that, oh, that's what it was. That artists, I think, eventually started figuring out that they needed to find a different way to portray their reality and the experience of life in a different way. So they kind of took a sidestep away from realistic or completely realistic imagery. So here's a good question. Is photography art? <laughs> so in a sense, historically, historically, photography, in a way, stole the show away from artists. Like it caused art, it turned art on its head. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I, I'll, if anybody's like, oh my gosh, what's he talking about? Let me just say right away. <laughs> yes, I do think photography is art. <laughs> and I do not have a problem with photography at all. I think photography is great, but I think, I think it's worth mentioning that a lot of people find it hard to accept photography as art. And historically, it's kind of an interesting sort of juxtaposition where photography mm-hmm. stole art, changed the art world, and then took kind of art away, if you will, and then was considered art later you know not not immediately it wasn't you know people didn't say oh here's a new form of art no it was a very mechanical mm-hmm. process as a way of um through engineering to capture images right okay so it and wasn't it, and it wasn't like you couldn't do it impromptu like you had to have you know everybody that's possibly that's why all those older pictures show everybody looking grumpy because they had to stand there for hours or whatever however long it took for the exposure to get on the metal plate mm-hmm so, but if we come back to, you know, what what is the fundamental thing that's the, the string through all different media is art is that internal, you know, experience. So the photographer who makes a connection with a feeling to what they're capturing, right? Yeah, I was trying to find where one of those photographs you had. Oh. The manipulated photographs. So if people were um, capturing the image through the process of connecting with what they're capturing through sort of sort of an emotive experience mm-hmm. then they're uh, they kind of fit into that same category then with other other forms of art where mm-hmm. you know but what if the photographer is completely mechanical what if the photographer is literally just carrying out the mechanical duty of just using the machine is that art so like portraits anything let's say so the only the only one that i can actually think of is like grade school uh school pictures like because that person is just like sit here face me smile click sit here face me smile click like i don't i don't know how much is that considered a creative process or right. is that a job? A job. <laughs> yeah. Using that, a machine at yeah. a job. Yeah, and just, you know, something to uh to just record a, a moment in time. Like, does that constitute art? Right. So Cora says expression of the creative process regardless of the method. Right. So it's the Read creative the whole thing so that we have it on the podcast. The, so Cora said, the expression of the creative process, regardless of the method or media. So, yeah, okay. like it's all about the creative process. Cora, I really want you to call in. <laughs> I think it would be fun to talk to you. You always have great comments. So, um, 
the the creative process is you know the fundamental thing but what i'm suggesting is that is it still art Mm -hmm. if someone isn't making that connection now i'm kind of picking on photography just because it has more of a mechanical machinery type of element to it but Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you could just as easily argue someone who's doing a painting for the sake of uh, of just making money and they're just sort of going through the process. Mm-hmm. Is that art? If they're well, not really connecting to the creative process. Yeah, yeah, one could argue. Well, look at, um, uh, not to pick on him, because, you know, Thomas Kincaid was known to have mass-produced his paintings. Like, he would have people that would reproduce his paintings for him. Like, it wasn't always him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd have to sign off on them, but but he would mass-produce those things, and it wasn't necessarily him painting. Mm-hmm. Like, you would get, you could get, you know, reproductions. So is a print art? Mm. So if there's mm. a print of art, is it still art? It's a representation of an original piece. And if it is something that you find, um, you know, personally appealing, why not? Mm-hmm. So now we come to the other end. Okay. On the front end, we have the creator. We have the maker, mm-hmm. the artist, who has an experience. They're having the experience in the process of creating. Mm-hmm. But completely on the other end is the person who's absorbing mm-hmm. and being affected by what was created. Yep. So the person that's affected from a print still may make that connection, although it may be completely their own and not really the artist's intention. Yeah. So that opens up a whole new thing of art. Oh, yeah. Because what the what the viewer sees and what they experience also validates the art. Right. Right. So what we view, yeah, actually that that happens in uh, in writing too, in books. One of the things that um, the book Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert, um, there was people who read that that saw something in that book that she actually didn't write about. So. There was one woman who uh, somehow extrapolated from her words that, you know, she she needed to leave her husband. No. It was, it was an abusive relationship or something like that, and she had stayed for a really long time. But she somehow found it, even though at no point in the book, and I have read it, did Elizabeth Gilbert ever say, you know, because he's XYZ, you should do XYZ. You know, it was just... It was just the person experienced her writing and applied it to a very personal part of herself and made a decision based on that whole entire chain of interaction. Mm. And so it wasn't necessarily that that's what Elizabeth's intention was, but that's what the person pulled out of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So from the viewer standpoint, what they see is maybe a completely different experience than what the creator intended or what they were feeling. 
And I think <coughs> that same type of thing can be paralleled to in in music. Mm-hmm. You know, certain people uh, approach different forms of music in different ways, and um, the kind of whatever feeling that's created from the music and their relationship with it may be totally different than what the artist intended. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And people will have those uh, relationships different. Absolutely. So is that part of the definition of art? Oh, it would have to be. What somebody feels. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As a viewer, independently from what the... Well, it intended. goes hand in hand with what people consider as art. Because the fact that, you know, um, if you go into a museum, and I'm the first to admit that I do this, that, you know, there's those huge sections with pottery and um, china, like fine pieces of china, um, tables, chairs, cushions, whatever. And honestly, it's not something that interests me. So I don't find myself drawn to those sections, even though there's massive sections. And it's it's a way that people decorated and expressed themselves in their homes by the type of furniture that they had, the type of clothing they wore. It's, it's fashion, essentially. Mm-hmm. And fashion has to be art. So Cora responded and said, Our interpretation is a reflection of ourselves, and our needs as opposed to the artist. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. So it's uh it's the individual's that's good. reflection of themselves of what they actually get out of something. Mm-hmm. So in a sense that individual's relationship with the artwork, whatever media or form it is, their reflection from that art is really a mirror of themselves. And that's one Absolutely. of the that's one of the big reasons why sometimes a connection is lost because the artist making the thing mm-hmm. that thing is a reflection of them. Mm-hmm. And then when they put it out there in the world, some people are getting that reflection, but some people are also just getting the reflection from themselves. <clears throat> yeah. So in a way, one could say all art is mirrors. Ooh, that would be <laughs> all forms of art are mirrors <laughs> okay so Jeanette says true I work in product development so many people view home products slash goods in different ways okay yeah 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 if you if you're just buying something for function versus something for decoration right but the person who had to design and create those things mm-hmm. had to go through the creative process in order to manifest them. Yeah. Now, I do think to some degree functionality uh, will has a different relationship. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we're just going to pay attention to our cat here that <laughs> may she... go behind the sign and knock it on our heads. So. <laughs> Back if there. the sign crashes down on us. And she's not a small kitty cat. Rainy. <laughs> Come here. Come here. What are you doing? Come here. Come on, Prinos. She's fun. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but that's a good... Uh, I really like the, the concept of the mm-hmm. mirrors. Yeah. And then um, 
but regarding the the um, product development, so many people view home products goods in a different way. So um, I guess it would depend on what kind of home product or good it's, it is. If it's like something that's for aesthetic appeal, or is it just uh, kind of a functional item, sort of utility? It can be function. both. <clears throat> okay, so let's let's talk about a um, a mixer. Mm-hmm. Like just a, a mixer, you know. I mean, really, we don't need it to have pretty white enamel, um, you know, or a different color. I mean, you could buy them in blue, pink, red, green, whatever color there is. Um, but that is part about aesthetics, and it's part about functionality. Mm-hmm. So anybody who might just be tuning in now, our topic is um, what is art? And we're kind of hitting it from every possible angle. Like, what is art? We started out just kind of giving a general definition and talked about art, how it changes, evolves. Talked about art from the creator's perspective and then also from the viewer's perspective. Mm-hmm. And just as a reminder, if anybody wants to call in um, and chat with us, you're welcome to. Our phone number is in the comment section. Uh, it's 717 507 six zero one nine for anybody who has you know fantastic memories yeah <laughs> or just scroll through the comment section and and you know the phone number is there yeah but... and feel free to give us a call and share your thoughts on on what is art yes yeah that would be that would be cool so Jeanette also said um we make a lot of farmhouse style items yeah we were talking I don't know if you were listening before we were talking about how different types of home decor can you know it really is appealing some people really like the farmhouse style other people don't maybe they um quite honestly anything if there's stuff that i have to dust it 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 tends to not necessarily wind up (laughs) in my possession um but now i have a vanden so i'm not as worried about dusting because he does that very well um I like decorating with plants and light and things like that. But I think there's definitely an, a niche for each of those. You know, if I, I know there's different styles of things, and I know the farmhouse is pretty popular around here, mm-hmm. I think. so. And, you know, what that creates as far as uh, an overall environmental aesthetic, a feeling for the individual so people who are really into that kind of country aesthetic mm-hmm. you know most of them you know everybody's seen their kind of home decor how they kind of create the whole environment with that flavor mm-hmm. and that gives them a psychological uh impression a, a sensation that they're experiencing in their home that they find enjoyable and mm-hmm. that is what art does art yeah. is a psychological uh, manipulation of the way we see the world around us. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and I mean, it can be it can be anything. I mean, some people like a mishmash of things. Some people like a, a very, you know, clean, uh, uncluttered look. Other people just can't get enough of you know wood plaques with cute sayings. And it and it does evoke an emotion for mm-hmm. each person, and it evokes a. Um, What's the exact thing I'm trying to say? So essentially, it just you surround you're surrounding yourself with things that make you feel good. I mm-hmm. think that's it. 
So Jeanette says uh, she likes color, which is the opposite of most of the things I create. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of earth tones in the mm-hmm. uh, in the whole country aesthetic. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing uh, to kind of just go a little bit into the whole psychological thing. Um, I don't want to go too far down this because it starts to stray from our original mm-hmm. thing, which is what is art. But from a psychological uh, standpoint, different cultures have a very definitive aesthetic. Like if you go and you see um, art from China, you know the particular type of aesthetic that's from China. Like they're mm-hmm. painting is very aerial, which means everything kind of looks like you're looking at it from down above. Um, a lot of it's, uh, they're, they're flatter, so they don't, you know, obsess so much over three-dimensionality in their mm-hmm. two-dimensional works of art. Their buildings, their architecture, their clothing, like these are all, these are all important to consider. And everybody certainly knows that aesthetic. And then, you find the same thing in ancient Greece. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're looking at something from ancient Greece, there's a certain uh, development of the way lines are made and the way shapes are made and the way color is applied. So that's what made me think of this as a color thing. Because different cultures also have an affinity towards different kind of color arrangements. Yeah. And how they're used at, at, to what, uh, you know, Chinese red is literally the name of a color, and Chinese just love red <laughs> and yellow, like red it's an and yellow, color. red, yellow, and green, and they're actually you know good luck colors mm-hmm. in, in Chinese culture. Where, yeah. um, and European colors uh, are kind of all over the place, but it's interesting if you actually look at um, flags, mm-hmm. national identities. You know, all tend to kind of revolve around a red, white, and blue. Like the American flag colors aren't, you know, really American in a way. You know, they are derivative from colors that were used in Britain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just kind of like, well, what colors? Well, of course we use red, white, and blue. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like it's, there's a certain, uh, there, there are certain things aesthetically that kind of carry over culturally. Mm-hmm. Now, one could argue, is that because they just didn't evolve? Like they kind of come to a point where they're they're just kind of settled on this particular aesthetic, and they're like, "This is the way we do it. Mm-hmm. This doesn't change." And then through intermingling with different cultures is when things start to mutate a little bit, mm-hmm. and they pick and choose from different cultures. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of. Um, the red, I think, is pretty prominent, more so than the white and the blue. Because um, red is usually, you know, the, the blood of our forefathers or the blood that we shed to get this land. Or, I mean, red is, is just a pretty powerful all-around mm-hmm. symbolic color, I think. Um, in the Portuguese flag, because I actually know that one, they have the, um, the coat of arms in the center and then they have green and red. And the green is the land, and the blood is the 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 red is the blood that they shed to mm-hmm. maintain their land. So it's, but yeah, I mean, even in a flag, I mean, a flag is art. 
it's a representation. It draws emotion. Means different things to to different people. Mm-hmm. So so that we could totally stretch it. And so in my uh, in my kind of worldview, or the kind of the way I'm looking at things, is that art is foremost. It is the thing that connects the creator to the act. So, and I, I always tend to look at things as far back as I can go to really kind of get a grasp of it. And I always go back to that kind of village mentality, a small village of people, you know, so let's kind of take Native Americans where they're creating song and kind of banging on drums and dancing and all these different things, song, drums, and dancing, and their clothing is... A way that they're expressing a feeling and they're having that connection mm-hmm. and um, and that is art so then let's take that a step farther if we want to use psychology again yes and say why does man do that mm. why is there that inherent desire to want to clack rocks, scrawl on walls, mm-hmm. with sticks in the sand, mm-hmm. sing, sing, holler, chant, write, record. Yeah, but let's tr- let's stay more in as far back as we can go to really try to get like why do they do it? Why well, are they? Why is that there? Well, I think one of the like if you're talking about cave art and songs um so one that i could think of cave art was kind of a recorded history of their hunt or a situation um music was often um used as a way to help so them remember are you saying cave art was more of a mechanical sort of no i didn't say practical that. I think it was practical, but I think it was also a way to glorify what they did or something that happened. So I think I think it's, um, and of course I'm a a writer and storyteller, so I could be biased, but I think that art was created because people had a story to tell. Right. And I think that people, um, you know, used the what they had, you know whatever flowers they crushed up or whatever to create the pigment to put on the walls um, was a way to record something fantastic or something monumental, something they were proud of and had strong emotions about. I mean, they didn't, you don't see any cave art of, you know, oh, little Johnny lost his first tooth. That may not, maybe it's monumental for Johnny or his family, but it's really not a monumental thing um, for a group. So maybe it was an expression of the group. Right. A, a way to kind of, you know, I mean, there's there's a reason why people carve their names into trees and, um, you know, write on their desks or on the bathroom walls or whatever. They're they're trying to express themselves. They have a story to tell of some sort. You know, if you, um, you know, even the the really bad version of writing on a on a wall in a bathroom is, you know, you're telling a story about somebody. You're like, oh, for a good time, call so-and-so. It's it's a story. They're telling something. They're expressing something. So that yeah. would be a real extreme version of art. But if storytelling is an art, they're, they're trying to express themselves and get out maybe a frustration or an anger or whatever. Um, 
And I think music was used at some point as a way to help them remember how they found whatever they were hunting. Mm -hmm. Like it was a, a recording. Of but prior to that, like, <clears throat> okay, so that's using all that in practical. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like there's at some point just somebody who's, um, and honestly, we could kind of, kind of try to find this in children's behavior although it's difficult because children are also influenced by what they're seeing but you know uh, a child just kind of banging away and discovering a rhythm and just kind of making noises um, are they not in the act of of in a sense connecting with that initial desire to create to express well sure so and you know and one can argue whether they were influenced by music that they heard or not but i don't think that's the case i think i think fundamentally what's really going on is they're just sort of interacting with the world around them so one could say that art is sort of a product of self-discovery mm-hmm so when, when people kind of start to discover that certain things do different stuff, when they have a gourd or something that they wrap skin around to stretch it and then find that, oh my gosh, this makes a cool sound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, kind of by accident, um, mm -hmm. start to discover the world around them can do different things. And then they kind of manipulate it and then incorporate it for a totally different purpose mm. you know yeah no i i agree with that but i think i i think that you touched on something that i think we kind of skirted around before but you know maybe art didn't originate as art maybe it really is just a simple way of you know people trying to express themselves record history or you know tell a story that happened to them mm -hmm. and that maybe art evolved out of necessity maybe it's it's just the simple act of creating something you know whoever created this this table or the ipad or whatever or chair you know it was made for a functional reason but if it's aesthetically pleasing then it also becomes art mm -hmm. or art has to be simply something that you've created from yourself to fulfill a function and that function could be something that you want it on your wall or you want something comfortable to sit in. Mm -hmm. So is there actually a, a space between those two? It's right. a chicken and egg type of conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah, because, you know, thinking about all the different tools that were used to make art where they first just kind of, uh, first sort of a, a discovery of accident. Mm-hmm. And then, Maybe it was a practical mm -hmm. application that yeah. caused the accident. And then it's like, oh, this is kind of neat, though. Right. But there's that moment where that this is neat kind of light bulb goes off. That that then connects to the inner desire to want to, like, create something simply for the desire to create. It doesn't mm -hmm. have a functional purpose. Yeah. And that actually is a really good point because a lot of people think of art as, you know, when they 
when an artist wants to charge $5,000 for a painting they did, people will be like, you can't expect me to pay that kind of money for that. And yet they're completely discounting all the, the, the work and effort and, you know, time and everything else that went into that, that portrait. But I think that may be a big key is that we don't consider a chair art or um, a video game or maybe, um, you know, the desk you use at work. We don't consider that art because it's something we need versus art. And this may be a more general consensus that art is something that you don't need but something you want for you know to brighten up your your room or you know something like that maybe that's where most people's definition of art lies is it a necessity no then it's art <laughs> right i mean that that could very well be uh that could be a general description like people would generally say that if you don't need it, if it's just for aesthetic appearances, maybe that's what they think art is. Yeah. So um, just a reminder to everybody, if you're just kind of tuning in, we're just sitting here having a general discussion about what is art. And you're welcome to give us a call at 717-507-6019. And that phone number is also in the comment section. Uh, I want to mention anybody who's watching via Tanya's page. If you uh, if you want to find that phone number, you'd have to actually go to ZenCat Creatives uh, to our Facebook I page. Can put it on there. I'll uh, put it on there real quick. Yeah, so you're welcome to call in and uh, share your thoughts and opinions on it. Um, we're just kind of going down a rabbit hole about what is art. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of, we'll get off of that. What did Jeanette made a comment? If it connects with the buyer, they will spend the amount. And telling a story of what their mind, heart at the time. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with both of those. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about before when Mr. Comment. But, but yeah, I was saying that, you know, it's, it is an emotional thing. Um, if somebody's purchasing a, a painting, and actually nowadays there's this really bizarre change of, of things. You can buy part of a painting. Like you can use it as an investment because one of the things that art is well known to do is to increase in value, especially if it's by somebody. So you could technically, like you buy stock in a company, you can actually now um, buy a percentage of a famous painting. And if it gets sold... Um, you know, you get money from it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't get it, but yeah. <laughs> so suddenly art has value. <laughs> so we could talk about that a little bit if anybody likes that. Cause that's a whole nother, mm -hmm. there's a whole nother dimension in there, which, um, the market tries to define what is better art. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about antiquity, how um, at one point in time, European, uh, Western European kind of uh, aesthetic was all about, you know, realism. Rembrandt, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, and, you know, people who mm -hmm. could paint really good. Um, and then it changed, and that market was no, eventually no longer as valid. 
But there's a in the world today, there's a whole movement, and there's a, some really good documentaries on this stuff that uh, talk about how the art <clears throat> business world tries to maintain a monopoly and control what is considered good or bad art. And of course, right now, most of it is abstract art, although it is changing. It is slowly mm. going back. There's a there's more of a embracing of um, realism uh, and moving away from the abstract. It's a slow process, but it's like any, everything ebbs and flows, goes back and forth. But, mm -hmm. you know, that... Yeah. So my opinion on that, it's all garbage. Like, you, you can't, money doesn't define what is and isn't art. Like, they can they can be out there all day long and, and trying to determine, oh, the value of this is, you know, $4 billion. And, you know, it's not. The, the value is in the eye of the beholder. If someone really loves it and they want to spend $4 billion, then to them it's $4 billion. It comes back to... What Jeanette was saying. Yeah, what Jeanette was saying. It's the eye of the beholder. Um, mm -hmm. Uh but that stuff, I'm not, I'm, uh, I think that's all quite ludicrous what's going on in the, yeah. in the art world out there. Yeah. When it comes to that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think in some ways art is also considered something that's superfluous. Like it's not considered a necessity, which we've kind of talked about this, but I think that it becoming an investment possibility is maybe it'll open up people's eyes to say hey maybe this is something of value I mean people collect stamps for crying out loud um, and I'm not saying that that's a bad or good thing but people collect stamps and spend tons of money on stamps I mean if we think about it what's more functional than a stamp <laughs> we stick it on the letter and it goes away and, you know, most of us aren't thinking about whether or not the specific type that comes out or, you know, there's a, I don't know, Buddy Holly stamp that comes out and everybody wants to buy it. And the amount that are left, you know, are they valuable or are they not valuable? Mm. I don't know. But, so, I mean, that could be the same with art. Right. And Well, that kind of, um, talking about what is the value of art and if it's just a, a commodity or, or not. Um, look at the time we're in right now. Quarantine. Mm. Right? So everybody's kind of locked up. They're nowhere to really go. Kind of, there's a lot of anxiety right now with different things. Um, mm. But what's one of the things that people are actually doing right now is they're watching more movies. Mm -hmm. They might be reading more. Playing video games. Playing video games. So what are they doing? They're actually consuming art, listening to music. Mm -hmm. um, maybe more so than they were before. Maybe making a connection mm -hmm. with those songs, books, movies mm -hmm. than that they didn't before. So yeah, the value of art is, one could say, is the very spirit and soul of humanity that... Mm -hmm. If you took it away, it would be a far greater, uh, yeah, far greater pain. So, you know, when you look at what early art, early manifestations of singing, dancing, mm -hmm. and song, 
was was a connection that the people shared. Mm-hmm. It was a cultural connection that you know made them feel good to just sing and dance and they all were doing it together like that's kind of the soul of um of us connecting as people to say hey we're people in this experience together and this is what we're sharing mm-hmm. what if you just took that away altogether yeah <laughs> so what's the real commodity what's what's really of greater value the yes. ability to connect to our human nature mm-hmm. through art yeah, and expressing. And actually, one of the things that we haven't touched on is art, is food. I, I, have, I have never seen so many pictures of food. Like, I know there's people that share their, their, uh, their meal or whatever, but there's people that are like, hey, I finally made bread from scratch. <laughs> um, I, you know, look at this. I made these muffins. I made this meal. I tried this, you know. People are getting really creative with their food stuff like people are doing some fantastic things and and they want to share and they're proud of it and people are asking for the recipe and food is art Mm. i mean my my mother was an artist with food there is no doubt about it i mean she was she was one of those people that could make the most amazing meals um you know with the the highest level of restriction she had a lot of people that she knew that she would cook for that had Food allergies or food restrictions, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, you know, uh, whatever else. You know, some people can't have legumes and things like that. So, I mean, she could make an entire entire meal and everybody would love it. And she was definitely an artist. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something that's definitely a necessity. And uh, I think it's often overlooked as a, as a form of art. I think we got a comment. Cora said, life would be so flat, dry, and tasteless without art. That actually works in quite perfectly with my food comment. <laughs> but yes, you're absolutely right. I, I think that people have, you know, like Vanden was talking about, you know, we're all kind of locked up in our, our own little bubbles right now. And people are finding that art is essential, that art is something that helps make the time pass better and easier because we're expressing ourselves um you know just as a rule yeah. i mean people are really getting creative just the number of parodies that are coming out um you know different silly videos some of them are good some of them are bad but somebody's creating this stuff mm-hmm. it's art it's really good so i guess we'll get ready to wrap this up we've been jabbering away for about an hour uh if anybody wants to call in any last minute um, interjections into the conversation, again, our phone number is in the uh, comment section. Comment feed. Uh, just find it and I'll repeat it one more time 717 507 6019. So, okay, so we got a question here Is landscaping art? People spend a lot of time in our yards and gardens and it pleases them to bring more appeal. Right, so, more to it. It's not fine. letting me Yeah, it's it. fine. Oh, appeal to the neighborhood. Right. Ooh, that's, yeah. Yeah, because it's not just about your, your yard. It's about the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the simplest question. 
um, landscaping is art. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, we mentioned a little bit about how um, some of the, the the big shot artists like Michelangelo, Da Vinci, um, they, they participated in developing uh, and designing town layouts, city layouts uh, in Italy. And they would literally, you know, draw out kind of a schematic layout of where buildings, monuments, parks, streets, alleyways, da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards, because it was seen as an important uh, element to make it aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. So not just sort of, you know, wax a whole bunch of buildings together, uh, but to actually have a precursed thought about how the, the whole layout's going to go. And that is essentially landscaping for the sake of creating a visually stimulating um an aesthetic environment yeah yeah i mean just consider um and i'm not going to name any names but there's areas you drive through where it's obvious that there was no prior planning that people just threw up houses here and there they're different kinds different sizes um different shapes you know most of america is kind of laid out that way if you go to europe if you go to european cities most of them had uh, a pretty yes. they were designed they had a pre-thought in mind a lot of uh a lot of towns and, and cities in americas are just kind of they went from shacks to bigger shacks and then to industrial complexes yeah and then buildings on top of shacks and mm-hmm. more shacks on well, buildings. one of the <laughs> one of the things that differentiates europe from the united states is the united states because it was so vast and so huge especially when you know european settlers first got here is we were able to spread out we were able to continue to spread whereas in europe they if they wanted a new building they literally had to tear stuff down so they had to be really careful with how they were planning stuff you can't just pop up a skyscraper in the middle of you know a small town in italy um you have to seriously consider that a lot of our viewers and listeners are probably actually from Lebanon, PA. So all we got to do is mention all the one-way streets. <laughs> <laughs> and you know there wasn't a whole lot of forethought into uh, the layout. They basically build upon, you know. Yeah, uh, those are crazy. So there's, there's a lot of ones. But let's It's kind of it's just kind of organically sort of splintered out, however, sort of like just mm-hmm. rolling a bunch of Yeah. dice and see where they fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, yeah. but to get back to your thing, landscaping um, absolutely is art. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it comes back to does, does the creator have art in mind? So is it a landscaper who literally is just cashing in on the money and, and is just throwing a bunch of stuff out without a whole lot of thought about the aesthetics? Or is it a landscaper who literally is, have, has a vision of trying to make it aesthetically appealing. And well, I could argue, though, that if they don't make it aesthetically pleasing, they're not going to be in business. Yeah, but I think... <laughs> that, yeah. Because, I mean, all right, so I'm with with our yard and, and garden and stuff like that. I think very, very solidly about what I'm going to put where. Um, but at the same time, in the past, uh, in the house that I owned in uh, Center County... You know, I literally, I had this teeny tiny postage stamp size front yard that 
to mow it was almost harder than it was worth. And so I just filled it in with a bunch of flowers. And I just kind of did a mishmash. Like, I was like, ooh, that's a pretty flower. Let's stick it here. So I didn't have a lot of foresight and planning. I just liked the flower. And I actually, it came out looking pretty much like an English garden. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was incredibly beautiful. I would have people stop and tell me how much they, they loved, you know, my, my front yard. And it just, and it adds value, I think, that, you know, if you go by somebody who's just got maybe a couple shrubberies or nothing, compared to somebody who's taken the time, it shows care, it shows, you know, I think it definitely adds to the appeal of the house and the neighborhood. And those house fix-up shows, they, one of the things they'll do is when they're fixing up a house, or that's what it was, curb appeal, I think, I don't know if it's still running, but one of the things that they would do is they would take the front of the house, they would change the, the paint of the house itself, maybe the door, because the door evokes either welcoming or rejection and things like that, and then how they decorate the yard. And there was one in particular that the way that the pathway up to the front door, the way it was didn't match it just was too hard it was too sharp compared to what they were trying to do so they literally dug up the pathway and rearranged it so that it was more appealing mm -hmm. and it's and it's i i think that gardening and landscaping is definitely art that's my say that's what i say all right that's what i say so so uh thank you everybody who's kind of been a part of this and hung out with yeah. us for a little bit uh we're Glad that you were here. Yeah, and, some really great comments. And, you know, I don't know that what is art is really... It's not answerable. It's not answerable. Because if yeah. I were to say that my definition of, of art, which is fundamentally the act of creating, the very primal act of just manipulating the world around you for the sake of the feeling that it creates... Um, for me to say that that's the absolute answer and that's it, I would be no different than the guy who says, uh, oh, I think Frank Frazetta paintings are garbage. That's his opinion. And it would be my opinion. Yeah. So um, it's really kind of in the eye of the beholder. However, I do want to interject that if, uh, if you do think that a particular type of music, writing, or painting is not art, that uh, you still have to consider that to the person who made it, mm -hmm. it meant something quite particular, uh, quite special. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Although I, I'll be honest, I still have the hardest time with that one section in the filling museum. With the abstract art. It's I don't. I'm not even. This is the one section I can look at. Um, you know, Paul, Jackson Pollock and, and different stuff like that. We, we know some people that do some amazing abstract art. But there's this one room in the Philadelphia Museum that is literally these massive, like, what are they, 10-foot squares of one color. <laughs> and the entire room is, here's a square of white, here's a square of yellow, blue, green, whatever. I... I I went in there and I tried to appreciate it and I just couldn't. <laughs> couldn't do it. I'm like, literally, if there was 
there was any piece of art, because usually people will look at abstract and go, oh, I could do that. You know, I could splash some paint on a canvas, but it's generally not quite that simple. There's usually some composition that has to go into it and other such things. And it's Colors. also it comes back to what I was saying about the the act of the creating that's mm -hmm. important. Yeah. In a lot of, of if anybody doesn't know, Jason, Jackson Pollock, you know, poured paint. What they may not know is that to him, the process of dancing around his painting and pouring paint was the process of creating the painting mm -hmm. was part of the art to him. Yeah. I'm not a big Jackson Pollock fan. I don't really, personally, I don't like abstract art too much at all. But I do respect that the process mm -hmm. and the creative experience that the artist had with that art is absolutely valid. Yeah. Um, and I but can't... I don't understand how you can just paint one canvas one color and call that art. Like, maybe it was meant to be the entire installation. I don't know. But I think that's one where people could say, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> I could paint a canvas a solid color. But you don't know what the artist was. I know, I know. Experiencing what they were trying to say. I know, I know. I'm but there's feeling also... very white today. I'm feeling very red today. I'm feeling green. I don't know. Right. I don't want to criticize it but at the same time I can't help it I just I that's one artist I would really like to talk to them and say exactly what were you thinking what what is the purpose of this installation mm -hmm. but but that's just me some people could walk in there and be completely overwhelmed and emotionally uh, um, overtaken yeah <laughs> or maybe not <laughs> alright so thanks for tuning in yes Thank Everybody, you. be safe, take care. Have a great night. And bye-bye. Bye. It's down here. Post it. Uh, I guess if you want to. Didn't we do it last time? Yeah. Go ahead. There really was not a lot of people listening. The ma majority of the time was like three people. Which was probably you, <laughs> your phone, Jeanette. There actually was quite a few people popping in. 152 views. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Nobody really engaged. Oh. This is still on. I think I gotta remember to definitely...